is the New South Wales Country Hour with Michael Condon on ABC Radio New South Wales. Hello again and welcome to the show. Coming up the latest on the fires on the mid-north and north coast with firefighters keen to get on top of those fires before the weather turns for the worse on the weekend. And 1,400 dairy workers are on strike today across Australia's largest dairy production state, Victoria, in unprecedented industrial action. We've been bargaining with our various employers for uh, over the course of this year and we're just chasing a, a fair wage increase and uh, change to some of our working conditions. Um, we're really just trying to get a fair wage increase to combat the, the crushing cost of living. And the unions admit that it could affect the supply of milk. You just have to wait and see. You can always send us a text. 0467 is the number to text me here at the Country Hour. But first up today, let's uh, look at uh, the situation with the fires. The Royal Fire Service says it could be days before several blazes burning in the region of the mid-north coast and the north coast are contained. They say worsening conditions are expected this weekend. Two fires have fled uh, to emergency level over the last two days. This morning, more than 60 fires are burning across the state. The uh, weather conditions are a little bit more favourable. One of the largest fires is the Willy Willy Road fire west of Kempsey on the state's mid-north coast, where a man died on Monday. And there's also a fire burning at Hathead in the state's north coast. The Hathead community is isolated but not under threat. Dairy farmer Brett McGinn's farm has a property along the right bank road at Billmore River, which is west of the fire. And he spoke about the fire with Kim Honan earlier today. We weren't in danger ourselves um, to what my knowledge it's small the other side of um, um, is in the national park um, I haven't heard of anyone along Belmore River sustaining any uh, damage um, at this stage but I don't uh, but it was you know a very um, well well frightening when you looked out there to see the yeah the fire it was just uh, pretty savage that's for sure how close would it have come to your property oh no it wouldn't be um, I'm sure kilometres away, a couple of at least, I'd say. But that's. Um, but I'm not saying the other properties in uh, Kinsler could have been in under threat. Yeah, like where it, it said Belmore River, but it's actually at the um, the end, uh, like the, the national park at Maguire's Crossing. I think that's where it started. So that's a sort of called Belmore River, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and if it sort of did reach the edge of your property, you've got quite a good uh, break of pasture between the start yeah, of your property and your house and your shed. Swamps out here, it certainly would burn, that's for sure, because they're quite dry, like where the quill rods and the um, salt rushes are definitely... Um, but I think um, when you just... Where the kikia is, there's still green sort of tins there. So it, it sort of... It would be a barrier to fire coming up up close to us but um yeah if we got it into the swamp at the back of the farm that definitely would um definitely would wipe it out yes mm. and you've had your fair share of disasters uh there at Belmore river mostly flood when was the last time you had a fire so close oh the the, the last fire um well there has been i don't know whether it's the last one but up in the um national park like on the way to crescent head there like like mcguire's crossing around there that was Oh, it might be three or four years ago, but yeah, um, but not for um, three or four years, yeah. And do you have a, a fire emergency plan, and what would that involve? Well, not really. Um, 
Uh, is the drought starting to hit your farm pretty hard? Uh, yeah, look, look, I'm not. We're um, because we're on this wet weather is our um, worst thing here. Like continual, like the last two years. At this stage, we're not going too bad with the drought. There's still um, not a lot of growth, but a little bit because because the water, like it's low land, and the, probably the water table's higher and. Um, it, it holds on better in the drought. If you, um, I'm not saying I'm not saying we're going all right, but it's just um, it's not the. We'll put it, in, and I know it's an awful thing to say, but we're a lot better off now than 12 months ago when the wet was on. It was absolutely, yeah, just uh, mud, you know, two foot deep in a lot of places. Yeah, it was just, but feeding like cattle or dairy cattle or beef cattle in. Dry times are certainly a lot easier than in the wet. And have you had much smoke and ash that have come that's come across from the fires? Plenty of smoke, yeah. It's it's probably clear at the moment, but yeah, last night I got up. And it was just you know to see where you're going. Yeah, um, we just had a sprinkle of rain. I thought we had a little sprinkle through the night and um, had a little sprinkle just around well, probably an hour ago. And it, you know, hopefully that sort of might have um, like put a dampener on things, yeah, like in the fire, yeah. That's Brett McGinn, who's a dairy farmer at the Belmore River, just uh, near uh, Hathead. And uh, David Duff is a cattle producer at Taruka near Kempsey. He's been badly affected by the fire. He told David Clawton what happened. And we'll just... Uh, we'll just head to him now. Yeah, mate, we've lost uh, 90% of um, 1,700 acres on the house side, which is the southern side of the river. Um, fortunately for us, it wasn't as bad as uh, the 19 fire, which we suffered a fair bit in that. What happened then? Um, uh, well, we lost um, all our grass country and a lot of infrastructure and cattle and, you know, machinery and all that sort of thing. That November... that um, 2019 fire cost us about 1.2 million in about two hours, but um, we've come through this one um, relatively better off. Uh, we've lost all our grazing country, or 90% of the grazing country on this side of the river. How many cattle are you carrying at the moment? Uh, on this block, we've got 600. That's a big number. Yeah, yeah, well, that's normal for us. We're a breeding operation, and um, yeah, so it's. I mean, we were under drought conditions prior to the fire, but um, yeah, the, the, this is the second fire in in just under four years. Mm. So November eight nineteen was the big one, the black summer one. What are you going to do with your cattle now? Oh well, selling them's not really an option because there's no money for them. So we're going to um, start feeding. We've got hay coming today, and um, yeah, we'll just. Tough it out, I guess, mate. We'll just make decisions day by day. But at the moment, we're not going to panic. We're just we've been in this situation before, and it's all fresh in our minds. So, a lot of like this fire front is um, massive. Um, there's a lot of the district that wasn't affected in '19 that is getting affected now. Um, and 
What are you hearing yeah, from like, your neighbours? Uh, catastrophe. You know, most of the neighbours are... Um, well, we lost a, a neighbour in, in the fire, so it's um, pretty tragic here. I mean, we're worried about feeding cattle, but they've got more worries than us. So This was the man who was found dead in, uh, near a bulldozer? Yeah. yeah, mate, yeah. Sorry to hear that. My condolences. Yeah. I went to school with him, and, you know, we all grew up together sort of thing, so it's pretty sad. And what about others in the area? Have they, have they lost cattle or homes? Look, there's been, because it's so fresh, mate, um, there's been houses lost, yes. Uh, to the west of us, there's a highly densely populated area, and to the south um, east of us, there's a highly densely populated area. And um, look, re- reports are that there's been houses lost and um, there's been some stock losses, you know, up to, I did hear one report of maybe um, a couple of hundred head, but that's unconfirmed. I don't know that. And then it'll take some time for the for the uh, reports to get out, you know. But um, All of your yeah. stock are okay? Uh, we we lost seven head. We had to euthanize some yesterday. And um, so far, we haven't been able to get around to, um, to check everything yet. Um, but we're hoping that the majority of them have come through unscathed. We've got a 700-acre block on the opposite side of the river to where we've been burnt, and only about 50 acres of it got burnt because the, the fire crossed the river. But, um, yeah, so those cattle, have, they seem to be fine. Uh, they weren't inundated with the fire at all. But here, where we are, most of our yearling cattle are all right because they're on cultivation country that had nothing on it. So the fire, although it burnt across it, it was low intensity. Yeah. But, um, yeah, look, it's not over yet, mate. The, the trouble with the fire is it doesn't burn everything at once, so we're still covered in smoke and we're still under threat from different directions. Where we are here, where the house is, there's probably about 50 acres that hasn't been burnt, but it would burn. It would burn. So we're just all the time... No, we don't leave the property unattended. There's always somebody here, and you can probably hear the helicopters in the over the top of us at the moment, you know. So you've but, had um, good support from the RFS or, and neighbours? Oh, look, um, basically the RFS was great. They turned up here a couple of times, but we're pretty well prepared. We um, we put a lot of um, preparedness in prior to this fire, and just because of the direction of it, it didn't impact us as badly as what 19 did. Although we've lost a lot of our grass country, our infrastructure here is... Um, pretty good. We've got a, we installed a generator, so the power's been out and it'll be out for a week or so because there's massive number of poles down. So we've got power and we've got water and, um, so we're, we're a little blessed really. How are your fences? Uh, internally, yeah, there's some damage, but when we rebuilt the um, boundary fences, we used all steel as opposed to using timber and what timber fences we have got that have got any timber in them then yes there's going to be replacement costs there because stays and round posts and that sort of thing but yeah uh, most of the internals came out of it not too bad because the grass like our grass country was very short so and they're saying that that maybe the weekend could be bad again how are you preparing for that we just had one neighbor pull up and we were just discussing that um you know so we've we're getting prepared for another weekend of um, horrendous conditions. I mean, the conditions were just absolutely terrible. 
wind was, you know, up to 60 kilometres an hour from the west and it just fueled that fire unbelievably. So it was a firestorm again. Um, a firestorm? Yeah, it was a firestorm. It wasn't just a normal fire. Generating its own its own weather, effectively. It created its own weather system. The wind was chopping and changing and blowing from different directions and it was spotting up to two to three k's in front of itself. And Yeah, you'd have to see it and witness it to believe it, really. Um, yeah, no, not good, mate. Not good. And you took some heavy losses at the last time, but you sound like you're pretty determined to continue and you think you've got a, pl- you've got a plan, yeah? No, well, you know, fires... Floods and drought, mate. That's what we deal with. So, and then a depressed cattle market on top of it is really giving it to us at the moment. David Duff is a cattle producer at Taruka near Kempsey, who was badly affected by that fire. It's uh, eighteen minutes past twelve. ABC Listen podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Well, 1,400 dairy workers are on strike today across Australia's largest dairy production state, Victoria, in unprecedented industrial action. Yesterday, Saputo milk tanker drivers went on strike across eastern Victoria, affecting not only Saputo suppliers but also smaller companies that use the same truck truck network. And today, dairy factory workers are protesting against paying conditions against Saputo, Fonterra and Peter's ice cream factories at 14 sites across uh, regional and metropolitan Victoria. Derek Dent is one of the workers on strike. We've been bargaining with our various employers for uh, over the course of this year and we're just chasing a, a fair wage increase and uh, change to some of our working conditions. Um, we're really just trying to get a fair wage increase to combat the, the crushing cost of living. What kind of wage increase are you looking for? Uh, that's entirely up to the members. Um, I think realistic expectations is about 5% per year. Um, I don't think that's uh, anything outlandish. We're still well behind when it comes to the cost of living. Have you been made any offers as yet by Saputo? Yeah, so Saputo uh, have made bargaining very difficult. We've been bargaining with them since uh, April. Their opening offer was a 3% wage increase, and they've since come up to 4% in the first year. Um, Derek, what is it like working... In a, in a milk processing factory, in a dairy processing factory. Take me through a day. Uh, so a day for me, um, we work 12-hour shifts. All of my uh, friends and members here at Langatha work 12-hour shifts. Uh, we manufacture the Devondale Long Life Milk uh, as well as the Devondale Butter. Uh, so a, a day for me starts at 6am, um, processing milk at various speeds and, and varieties of uh, uh, milk um, and it's long hard days it's often quite hot it's loud it's noisy it's um, it's strenuous uh, there are da- there are periods of downtime as well uh, don't get me wrong um, but all the workers here at Langatha make this job look easy but it's not it takes a long time to to get good at this job and it takes a lifetime to perfect it and some of us are still chasing that perfection the Transport Workers Union are currently striking and that strike will continue into tomorrow when your union will also be striking. Is this a coincidence that both the unions are taking action at the same time? It is actually. It's, um, it's, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, this is the first time in about 20 years that two different unions at the same workplace here in Wayne have taken industrial action. Um, I think that speaks volumes for the current uh, climate, to be honest, yeah. If there's no outcome, if there's no result um, that 
is approved by the members of the union, what's next? That's a very good question. Um, what happens next? That's entirely up to the members. If, if Saputo come back to the table with a fair offer, obviously the uh, bargaining team um, will give that back to the members and they'll give it their endorsement if we think it's fair. But of course it's up to the members to decide what they think is fair. Um, the members have told the company what they want. They've told them what their expectations are. And we just want Saputo to listen. Uh, is there any likelihood that this will impact the supply of milk and butter out of this factory in Leangatha? Uh, yes, uh, there will be a hindrance to production, obviously. Saputo Leangatha Dairy Factory worker Derek Dent speaking to reporter Fiona Broom. Gippsland dairy farmer Benjamin Vag says while the tanker picked up the milk yesterday... On Tuesday, he's had very little information about what will happen over the next few days. We don't know what the intentions are of the strike, and the, there's some risk here for a lot of dairy farmers not getting their milk picked up. Who picked up from your place this morning? I supply third party, and Saputo run the logistics for them. So Saputo picked it. Up. I assume Saputo picked it up this morning. Um. You're concerned that this has the potential to run longer than the 48 hours that they've declared for this round of strikes? That's the real risk here. Is is this a 12-hour thing, 24-hour thing? Um, there's not a lot of information out there for the average dairy farmer, so we really just want to know some more what's going on. What happens on farm if trucks don't come to pick up your milk? That is a... environmental disaster um, because many of us are going to have to hold the milk on the property we will have to spray it onto the pastures but no one really wants to do that because it's a couple thousand dollars gone Do you have any protection against that happening, financial protection? We do but also our, our relationship with our processors we would like to think would help come into play there is this something you've ever had to do before, dump milk, because it hasn't been picked up? No, we've been fortunate here because we're on a main power line but and we're on a main road. But other farmers have definitely had to do that over the last two, three years during COVID when we had those freak storms across Gippsland. I'm sure everyone was close to doing it. Or there were some farmers that were a couple of days out of um, their milk not being able to pick up, not through electrical faults, but trees across the roads. And um, how long can you hold out before you would have to start dumping milk? Fortunately for me, I got picked up this morning, but it could be um, it could be every 12 hours because I am producing more than I can hold on farm. And would that be the same for other producers? Other producers don't ha- potentially don't have smaller vats like I do, so they may be okay, but there's a lot of producers out there that produce a lot more literage of milk than I do. Do you have any sympathy for the transport workers who are striking? Yeah, we do. They're members of our community. Um, But their actions are impacting us and also impacting our community. So, yeah, the local economy is run by the dairy industry in Langatha. So if dairy stops, the Langatha economy stops. So we really need the two parties to sort this out in the next 48 hours. As Lee and Gatha, South uh, Dairy Farmer Benjamin Vag, they're talking to Fiona Broom. You're listening to The Country Hour. It's 25 minutes past 12. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. You're listening to The Country Hour 
on ABC Radio New South Wales. Well, let's head back to the fire situation. The Royal Fire Service says it could be days before several blazes burning in the region are contained with worsening conditions expected this weekend. Two fires flared to emergency level over the past two days. Still 60 fires burning around the state. Uh, one of the largest is the Willy Willy Road fire west of Kempsey. Uh, and, of course, a man died there on Monday. It's uh, That fire's burnt through 22,000 hectares. The Hathead community, they're isolated but they're not under threat and firefighters are also concerned about fires burning between Byron Bay and Brunswick Heads. Our reporter Keely Johnson is uh, on the fire ground uh, and joins us uh, at the moment. Good afternoon. Hey, Kondo. So whereabouts are you now? I'm at Willowarren, which is just west of Kempsey. We're right near where the Willy 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 Road fire, yep. Yeah, yeah, really, really road fire is. Um, And that is also burning through the community of Temagog. We have come back to Willowarren to actually get service, to be honest, just to be able to chat with you. Um, But we were over at Temagog just 15 minutes ago and some property holders were actually kind enough to let us onto their their land. Um, And you can see the smoke coming out of of the Willy Willy Road fire. It is massive. As you said, it's burned through 22,000 hectares of land and these landholders it actually the fire front passed over their their homes and their property uh yesterday morning they said that i mean pretty understandably was one of the um scariest moments of their lives they said that they were told to bunker down it was too late to leave and they saw the water bombing helicopter coming overhead dropping large amounts of water directly on their homes and any buildings that it did saw um that it did see and and they you know have given so much credit to the rfs saying that's what really saved them and their homes and and on the road out there we were going past homes that had all their cattle you know burnt the land and the grass all around um except for maybe an acre around their home if that and they've got all their cattle cooped up or all of their horses cooped up right near the house just to keep them safe and it's great to see a lot of those animals safe so far but um yeah such a scary time for those locals and and back in the Willowarren community they're obviously really concerned. This region, Willowarren, was actually really badly hit back in 2019 um, with those fires. I believe 60 homes were destroyed here mm. back in 2019 and a man lost his life in this town back then. So hearing of of um, the other man losing his life on Monday night, it's just, just devastating. Yeah, what more detail do we know about that as well? Yeah, so police say... They located the body of 56-year-old Richard Maney, a local man at Temagog, on his property at about 10 o'clock on Monday night. They say that he um, has lived in the area for a while and it's believed that he was staying at his home trying to protect his property and that he was found, his body was found near a bulldozer which was completely destroyed. So it's really devastating scenes and just shows... Um, you know, the incredible work that these fireys are doing to make sure that everybody else in this region has managed to stay safe. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's uh, condolences to his family. Now, the mm-hmm. other thing that's been uh, quite a bit of damage, some buildings damaged, we understand some quite a few stock losses as well, although it's, it's hard to tabulate it just yet. We still don't know. 
Yeah, it, it is hard, especially because some of the area that this fire is burning is really like steep country. It's hard to get to RFS saying that they're just managing to get to it. You know, we don't want to go anywhere near um, where the, the danger is right now. But we do know that uh, property has been scorched. They say that at least one home has been destroyed, which was at the centre of the fire on Monday. Um, but they're expecting more homes and buildings to be destroyed. They say that they've seen other buildings damaged, but they don't know whether they were sheds or, you know, what a, what a other infrastructure could be out there. Um, and seeing just how close this fire got to some of the properties that have cattle right next to their home, unfortunately, it just would not be surprising that there's livestock loss. And, and hay is actually being transported in um, past Kempsey out to the Temagog region up up to Taruka as well, which is just north of the fire, trying to get hay in for all the animals because the pasture is just absolutely destroyed, which is also devastating. That's right. We were hearing from uh, one of the farmers, uh, David Duff, who was uh, saying, yes, he's in that uh, situation. All of his pasture gone, a lot of his uh, paddocks burnt. Uh, he hasn't lost many stock, but he's had to put down a few because of the, the uh, damage there as well. What about uh, the weather situation? The, we're hearing the RFS worried about the weekend. Yeah, so today, the good news is that conditions have eased today and they're really utilising today and tomorrow to try and put containment lines in, especially in the north and the east of the Willy Willy Road fire trying to contain this fire as much as possible ahead of Saturday, particularly Sunday. That's when temperatures are supposed to rise again and wind is supposed to pick up, which is never good um, for a, a large out-of-control fire. They do say that, you know, today's a bit overcast. There's even possible showers, which would, I'm sure, be welcomed. Um, but we are starting to see the wind pick up. And I, I chatted to an RFS crew that were just pulled over in Temagog earlier, and they said it's always a concern that if a sub big southerly wind comes through here, that could just blow a lot of, um, you know, the, the work that they've done um, back back into. They'll be fighting on the front lines again. So it's unpredictable, but at this stage, it is looking good and doing as much as they possibly can to prepare for this weekend. That's right, getting getting ready for the weekend when the weather might uh, take a turn for the worse. Keely Johnson, uh, welcome back to the country. Yeah, yeah it feels good <laughs> to chat to you, Kondo. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I know David Duff, when you were mentioning him, I've been out to his property before when I was the rural reporter here. And the, the poor guy, he was devastated in 2019. Mm, so yeah. to see it happen again, um, yeah, I feel really sorry to, to hear that and, and for him, of course. Absolutely. And and the community of Willow Warren hit again. So that's mm. right, because I know that they lost a lot of houses and uh, concerns about the, the uh, community there after the last fire in 2019. Keely, thanks for that. No worries. Thanks, Kondo. It's 29 minutes to one here on the New South Wales Country Hour. Shortly we'll have some uh, weather details. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we'll uh, see if we can get some news headlines here from Adam Story. Good afternoon. <laughs> just wake him up. Just, 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 just wakey, wakey. you got that huge slab of... Slab of... <laughs> paper there. <laughs> <laughs> a few more trees died for that yeah, mm. yeah. what's coming up in all the right uh well, look uh, the situation uh in the middle east has gone up a notch again uh this follows the bombing of a hospital in gaza city uh which the milton group hamas has blamed israel for now israel in return has said it had nothing to do with it and it's blaming uh, the Islamic Jihad group um, saying they've done it uh, in a bid to try to blame uh, Israel. Now, uh, protests have erupted throughout the Middle East as a result of this. The US President Joe Biden is still on his way to Israel. 
He was uh, due to hold talks with Arab leaders in Jordan. Uh, That's now been cancelled, given the situation. Uh, But he will continue on to Israel. Uh, Back home, and the Prime Minister uh, has sent his condolences and described it as a tragedy, uh, while also uh, evading um, laying uh, blame as to who was uh, responsible. Uh, well, they're both blaming each other at the moment. But they're basically mm. both blaming each other, mm. yeah. Um, in uh, in other news, uh, the domestic intelligence chief has revealed that a Chinese national was removed from the country after a foiled attempt to infiltrate a prestigious research institution last month. Uh, they haven't named this uh, institution, but they say that he was found before uh, uh, any damage uh, was done. Uh He's revealed details of the alleged espionage. Uh, this came out of uh, his meeting with the Five Eyes counterparts in the United States. They're meeting in uh, Silicon Valley in uh, California uh, at the moment. It's a big gathering of the world's, uh, <laughs> the world's spies. <laughs> in a uh, secret location. In a secret location <laughs> in Silicon Valley. <laughs> um uh, you've just uh, talked about the fires, 60 still burning across the state, so hopefully uh, better conditions. Uh, Although they're worried about the weekend. We're they? worried about the weekend now, mm. yeah. Uh, 14 Bushmaster armoured vehicles being sold to Fiji to help boost the nation's peacekeeping efforts. Uh, the Fijian Prime Minister is in Canberra today meeting with our Prime Minister. And they've also, uh, the pair have also agreed to work more closely on security threats. And still no Speaker of the US House of Representatives, Jim Jordan, has uh, fallen short in the first round of voting. About 20 Republicans voted against him. Mm. And back the old Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, I don't even think he even put his hand up for it. Uh, I, don't know how they, I don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, they might, might have Republicans voting for a Democrat. Well, yeah. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. Which would be like, you know... It's a ridiculous incredible. Uh, situation. I mean, mm. only a handful of votes from your own party can... They're still 17 short, though, or something. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of votes. Yeah. Mm. Well, I suppose, yeah. It's a lot of votes mm. in the scheme of things. Mm. It's, a, it's actually a small amount. <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> like I mean... Like, it's a small cabal that are... Yeah, that's yeah, right. And that doesn't, sound, doesn't sound like they're actually going to change their votes anytime soon. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and, yeah. of course, he's... And it's, uh, it's a bit and, hard to understand the reasoning for... But, of course, Jim yeah. Jordan would be third in line uh, to be... To be president uh in the in the scheme of things it's the it's the house leader so yes that's if right something happened yes. to the president and the vice president he'd become yeah. president but in fact he doesn't think that joe biden was uh um actually won the election jim Jordan. oh he's a denier is mm. he yeah mm. okay mm. Well, there you go <laughs> so they tell me on the news overnight <laughs> that's what I was watching of that. That's what the news told you <laughs> that's right that's what the news told <laughs> yes all which right I, which i I think it's probably right. Yeah, geez, you'd be unlucky to lose your president and your vice president, then, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes, so it's possible. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's pos- anything's possible. Yeah, All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wait, wait to hear what happens at one o'clock. Yeah, mm. anything could happen. <laughs> anything could happen at one o'clock. All right. Adam stories there with the news headlines. It's twenty-four minutes to one here on the country. Let's find out what's happening with the weather details uh, because we're looking at uh, the weather pretty closely at the moment. Dylan Bird's at the bureau. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you? Very well. So we've got a bit of a reprieve in the weather, but the RFS are worried about this weekend. Yes, and unfortunately, it's rightly so. Looks like over the weekend, uh, conditions remaining dry, remaining dry for. 
pretty much the rest of this week for most places in New South Wales. Um, and then over the weekend, we have a cold front coming through, but it's going to be a dry cold front. And uh, with that, um, we have uh, increasing temperatures ahead of the front. So it looks like in many places we could see uh, um, temperatures uh, rising to the mid to high 30s. Um, and I guess some areas of particular interest would be um, over the northwest plains and slopes areas um, and the central plains as well. And then looking into like the northern tablelands and the far north coast looks like um, particularly on Sunday uh, areas there getting to the mid to high 30s. Um, and ahead of the front, uh, the winds could be uh, fairly um, fresh northerlies uh, and gusty, uh, which will only... Um, add to uh, make those conditions worse for the firefighters there, unfortunately. Which so is sim- similar here. conditions to when those fires uh, started, started up. So uh, that's, right. that's, that's, that's why I guess the RFS is worried. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, compounded with the lack of rainfall this week, mm. um, although the conditions have been benign and will be for the next couple of days. Um, so hopefully they can get around um, and help to contain some of those fires. But yeah, I mean, suppression activities will will surely be difficult over the weekend. Mm, okay. And then after that, is there any reprieve after that? So there's a bit of a change, but not much, just a temperature reduction, not much rain in that either. Yeah, that's right. So it's looking pretty dry. I mean, the only rainfall that I'm really seeing um, over the next few days is really just going to be um, coastal today um, and then looking into uh, over the weekend with the passage of this front, maybe some um like light falls of uh, less than five mils over the higher country in um, southern New South Wales, like near the Alps and uh, near Wagga and places like that. So um, otherwise, though, fairly dry. Um, in terms of reprieve, it looks like the temperatures are um, decreasing over the weekend, particularly for the central and southern parts of New South Wales. However, um, in the north, uh, although they are peaking on Sunday, they're still staying... Um, in the uh, high 20s to low 30s uh, for much of next week as well. And then it looks like um, perhaps another um, blast of hot air from uh, northern interior Australia um, reaching uh, New South Wales into mid-next week again. So Mm. similar dry conditions looks like um, over this weekend into next weekend as well. So similar dry conditions. And if there is a change, there's going to be a dry change and some windy conditions in the lead-up as well. So, uh, yeah, probably yeah. probably not what the firefighters are hoping for. No, no, it's not great news for mm. anybody, I think. Mm. All right, Dylan, thanks for that. No worries. Have a good one. It's uh, 21 minutes to one here on The Country Hour. You're listening to The Country Hour on ABC Radio New South Wales. Momentum is growing for the New South Wales government to ramp up aerial control measures of feral horses in the Kosciuszko National Park. Independent assessments have put the horse numbers at 18,800 and the Federal Senate's scathing report says endangered species will be wiped out if action isn't taken soon. It recommends aerial shooting and the repealing of the New South Wales horse legislation. Joe McGurr is independent member for Wagga Wagga and he says he thinks the explosion in horse numbers and the Senate report will prompt Minister Penny Sharp to act soon. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a pretty scathing report, as you said. I mean, uh, they're pretty clear about the numbers, and importantly, they're very clear about the damage being done to the park. And importantly, uh, I think they're also uh, highlighting that this actually puts us in breach of a whole lot of international agreements in relation to the environment. And I, I even raised the issue about whether or not uh, the Wild Horse Management Bill, that Heritage Management 
bill is in fact constitutional or not. Now, I don't know if they're going to move on that and, and, and how that's going to play out, but I think this does uh, add to the pressure on New South Wales in regard to taking action in relation to the horses and, importantly, protecting the environment and the species that are being threatened there. Now, when the report came out, David Pocock, the senator, was saying, you know, action needs to be taken, the law needs to be repealed in New South Wales. He says, you know, that if, they, if the New South Wales government doesn't do anything, the federal government should step in. We heard from Tanya Plibersek, who said she wants horses out of the national park. It's not appropriate that they're in there. So do you think that the momentum is building for a change, you know, in the, in the legislation by the Minister Penny Sharp? I think the momentum's building for two things. Uh, the first is that you need to take action to reduce the horse numbers. Uh, it's pretty clear the environment is being destroyed in the national park. It's a unique national park, an alpine national park, and there are a number of species, endangered species, being threatened by the presence of the horses now, and that the numbers need to be brought down. So that's the first thing. Uh, and I think the second thing is uh, that in the light of that, uh, probably we need to repeal the Wild Horse Heritage Management Act that the New South Wales um, uh, passed uh, because that, of course, uh, seems to preference one species over another. Uh, and I think the point of this inquiry is it's inconsistent with federal legislation and inconsistent with uh, the legislation as it reflects international agreement. So, look, I, to me, the priority is getting the horse numbers under control. I mean, the legislation is important to address, but that won't mean anything unless we actually take some action uh, to reduce those horse numbers. Now, you made this uh, one of the key issues for your support of the government. Will you withdraw support if they don't do something soon? It's a key issue for me, I have to say, uh, a very important issue. So far, uh, the government has been very supportive on this. Uh, the Minister, I believe, uh, understands this issue, uh, as does the Premier. So I'm actually confident that uh, they're going to do the right thing here by the park and the environment. Look, it is a complex situation uh, in terms of, uh, you know, this is an emotive issue, but in my discussions with the Minister and with the Premier, they're pretty clear that the park is being destroyed and action needs to be taken. Um, and at this point, I'm pretty confident they're going to, you know, sensibly move on that, but definitely take action. We're running out of time, though, because soon the helicopters that uh, that ferry people up, uh, the shooters up to shoot the uh, shoot the horses, they're going to be needed for bushfire control. So, you know, we've only got a few weeks, really. That's actually right. And uh, the Minister's received a report on the counting methodology. Uh, I understand she's reviewing that. Uh, and But I think she will be making a decision shortly. I know there's another count to be conducted uh, soon, but you know the bushfire season is upon us. As you say, the helicopters will be required for that, so there's only a small window now. Only a couple of weeks. Uh, indeed, indeed, and then nothing would. Uh, I would imagine nothing might happen, perhaps even to May next year, given you know the circumstances. Depending, of course, on the bushfire season and and what happens. So yeah, we are. Time is running out, and that's I guess why I come back to the point that you know, there's discussion about the you know the act that was passed in New South Wales and. I do think it's important to repeal that, but uh, I think the primary uh, issue here is that we need to assess what's going on at the moment. Minister's called for advice on the aerial culling. 
uh, check the numbers, but we do need to take action because you know, time's running out for the park. So does that mean that this, uh, the other upper house inquiry that's looking at this issue with animal justice and the nationals um, pushing a line against uh, aerial shooting against horses, that, that that will probably be dead in the water? Look, I think uh, this issue can't wait for that. Mm. And in any case, I think that, um, look, that's as, as you and I have spoken about before, I'm just not sure where that inquiry is going to wind up in terms of, I mean, are the, you know, are the national members really going to go against aerial culling, which is so critical to uh, controlling, you know, feral pigs and deers throughout the rest of the state? It would so, seem counterintuitive, wouldn't it? it? Absolutely. So I just don't know where that's going to wind up. I don't think that's... Uh, look, I hope that doesn't uh, slow what needs to be taken, the action that needs to be taken here, let me put it that way. And, um, look, I just don't think it will. Uh, of course, always hard to make those assessments in politics, Michael, but I just think uh, the pressure's now building on this. I think there's a genuine consensus that the number, the methodology around that is correct and that time is running out for the park. Joe McGurr is an independent member for Wagga Wagga. The uh, New South Wales Minister Penny Sharp made a statement. She says she welcomes the findings of the Senate inquiry that confirms the concerns that New South Wales has about the impact of wild horses on the Kosciuszko National Park. And she says she's still considering the submissions. The decision and the summary of submissions will be made public, she says. And the Minister for Environment, Tanya Plibersek, says she wants to thank the Senate Committee for their work. She says she's working through the recommendations. She wants feral horses removed from the Australian Alps. She says they damage our fragile fragile alpine and subalpine ecosystems. Uh, that's why the government supported the establishment of the inquiry. She says uh, she re-established the Alps Ministerial Council with her counterparts in New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT. And she says she'll work with uh, all the powers of the Commonwealth and collaboratively with the states and territories to ensure that the precious plants and animals that call the Alps home are preserved for our kids and grandkids. It's uh, 14 minutes to one. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, I'm Annie Guest. Join me for The World Today. US President Joe Biden's efforts to tamp down Middle East tensions set back by a devastating hospital explosion in Gaza. The new Reserve Bank Governor laying out her vision. What will it mean for interest rates? And we look at how Australia can better prepare children to constructively participate in a more polarised world. Those stories and more coming up on The World Today. And on the New South Wales Country Hour, we were talking about the weather earlier. Well, things are looking pretty dry in the uh, northern Tablelands community of deep water, where farmers have been meeting to talk about drought strategies and various other issues as well. Reporter Lara Webster went along to the event to look at how one farmer has improved water security. At this farm, just nine kilometres or so out of deep water, the country is dry, there's some smoke haze in the air, and inside the wool shed, farmers have come together to look at ways to navigate the drought outside. Glenrack's Project Officer for Sustainability has organised the day, Katie Barnett. Yeah, so I've got a project through the southern Queensland, northern New South Wales drought hub through the Armadale node. And through the Future Drought Fund, we've got a project for stock water, and we're looking at Uh, best practice that we can do Um, and a part of that we've got a few properties that we've got demonstration sites on so this property is one of the demonstration sites and we're looking at um, having a few field days and this is one of the four and just uh, for farmers to 
learn more and come to the, together and collaborate and hopefully improve our water going into dry times. There's certainly already been a lot of thought and discussion and questions raised in that room, farmers sharing ideas. What are some of the things you've seen today, some of the, the solutions or the ideas people are having for navigating the drought, which, you know, farmers, all of the farmers here have been through plenty of them. Uh, I think they're really looking into prior preparation, so looking at what, that, what plans they can put in place to, to do to get them out of a tricky situation. What are some of those solutions so far that have really piqued everyone's interest? Uh, definitely looking into the water and the systems they've got in place. Will they have enough water going into a drought? And what they can do to improve their water to keep stock on for longer. That's part of the reason we're putting in those control valves. Is we don't... Jeremy Phipps, we're here on your farm. I mentioned it before, but we've got a smoke haze around us. It's dry, we've got the flies. Just talk me through, before we go too far, let's talk a bit about your operation here. Uh, we're running a... Merino flock of about 1,500 head, self-replacing, uh, SRS style. Um, yeah, merino wool, um, and we trade in cattle seasonally. You know, obviously don't have any at the moment with how dry it is. Tell me about the conditions on your farm at the moment. I mean, everyone's spoken about how quickly the dry has taken hold, especially when we didn't have too bad a start to the year. Talk me through how you've seen things change here. Uh, just with the lack of rain, we obviously had no growth, but we are lucky with having a water system on the farm that we can maintain our stock levels just because we have the water and we have dry feed out in the paddock, which is a big help for us. From previous droughts and previous dry times, what are some of the things you've been able to do or put in place to prepare yourself a little bit better for, for future droughts? Just being able to expand on the water system and make it bigger and you know, be able to split our paddocks up so we can manage our livestock and manage the grass that's there is a big one. Like in that 2019 drought, we are able to hold our stock just because we had water, access for them, fresh water. Um, so that's the biggest one for us. So what have you done on farm to, to conserve your water as best as possible and for long, as long as possible? Conserve water is always a hard one, but obviously trying to minimise the faults you have in your water system so you're not wasting water and then just... Um, I know, just like being able to target, I suppose, target your livestock and be able to um, turn off areas, I suppose, where you um, aren't needing to utilise it so you're not wasting it. What are some of the other lessons you've learnt from the previous drought as well that that you take with you into this one and all of the changes, I suppose, that are going to come in climate in the future? So coming with this this, um, project that we're doing is putting in remote monitoring so we can actually try and identify when faults happen so you can get out there and fix them quicker so you're not wasting water. So that's what part of this grant is. We're putting in remote monitoring stations so we can actually see where the water's flowing and be able to fix the faults quicker. That's Deepwater Sheep and Wool producer Jeremy Phipps ending that report from Lara Webster. You're listening to The Country Hour. It's uh, coming up to eight minutes to one. Getting a few texts on the uh, on the issue of uh, shooting in the National Park. Rod has texted in saying, uh, while they're shooting the Brumbies, I hope they shoot the deer at the same time, says Rod. And um, another question uh, saying, also saying, uh, what about the feral pigs, the feral cats, the foxes in the National Park? Uh, not just the uh, feral horses, uh, this person saying the pig population is totally out of control and they do as much, if not more, damage. Uh, also, um, uh, and uh, someone else is saying, yeah, also control of feral cats. In fact, I think there's a um, symposium looking at the issue of uh, control of feral animals at the moment being held in Dubbo at the Dubbo Zoo, so we're hoping to get a report on that uh, 
later on in the week. And um, someone uh, also, uh, Tony's texted in to say that um, uh, John Barillaro uh, uh, was involved in this issue in regards to the wild horses. He wants everyone to remember that. It's uh, time to go to markets. First up, let's go to Lismore Cattle. The yarding increased to a total of 1,060 head, comprising mainly of weaners and cows. Quality of the young cattle was fairly plain, with the exception of a few pens. The market eased again this week, with restocker weaner steers selling slightly easier for some of the better quality steers. However, most were 10 cents cheaper, some more. They ranged from 130 to 220 cents. Restocker weaner heifers were 20 cents cheaper and more in places, 110 to 198 cents. Yearling steers topped at 216, heifers up to 134. Only in odd grown steers, they sold up to 160 cents. Cows 10 to 15 cents cheaper. Light cows 70 cents to 138. Medium weights averaged 132 cents. Heavy cows 140 to 162 cents. This is Doug Robson reporting from Lismore. Let's go to Carcourt Sheep and Lambs now and David Monk. Numbers fell by 1,000, free yarding of 3,870 lambs. It was a fair to good quality yarding with a good selection of trade weight new season lambs, along with odd pins of neat old lambs, both trade and heavyweights. Trade weight lamb, uh, new season lambs were 7 to 10 dearer, selling from 60 to 120 to average between 4, 420 and 500 cents. Trade weight old lambs were 15 to 25 dearer, with the 20 to 24 kilogram lambs selling from 83 to 125. A few heavyweight lambs were $10 dearer, with new season lambs over 24 kilograms selling from 126 to 132. Old lambs over 24 kilograms sold from 113 to 144. Lambs to the restockers were dearer, selling from 35 to 90. Hoggets were also dearer, selling to 75. There were 1,130 mutton yarded, where most grades were $5 to $8 cheaper. Merino ewes sold from 13 to 22, while crossbred ewes sold from 15 to 35. Merino weathers sold from 13 to 26, while very heavy crossbred weathers sold to $45. This is David Monk at CTLX for MLA. Well, let's go from Carcourt to Cowra now, and Rob Pierce is there, Sheep and Lamb Report. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Michael. There are 3,600 lambs, down by 2,300. Quality was very good for the new seasons, with 3,000 offered, and there were mainly trade and heavies penned, and only a few stores uh, were penned as well. Medium and heavy trade new seasons were 5 to 10 dearer. 2022 kilos sold from 94 to 106, 23 to 24, 105 to 122, averaging 450 to 500 cents. Heavy weights were 3 to 10 dearer. 24 to 26, 121 to 139. 26 plus 134 to 155, averaging 475 to 515 cents. Heavy old lambs topped at 160, and stores sold from 21 to 68. And mutton numbers fell for only 210. Prices held firm. Heavy first cross use sold to $26. Heavy merino use sold from 25 to 35. Mr. Rob Pierce from MLA at Cowra. Thanks, Rob. Let's go to Yash Sheep and Lambs now. Good afternoon. The lamb numbers were steady at 7,700 and this included a much better run of 3,900 new season lambs. The quality was good with new season lambs being presented fresh and a good run of trade and heavyweights. There was also an increase in Sean Old trade lambs. The market sold to dearer trends. New season stores 17 to 68. The trade weights 20 to 22 lifted 6, 83 to 120, 22 to 24 kilos up $16, 115 to 125, 24 to 26 gained 12, 122 to 129 and they average between 5.05 and 5.15. 
The heavyweights reached 148. The old trades gained 23 to 25 dollars, 22 to 24 kilos, 81 to 115, 24 to 26, 112 to 125, averaging 480. Heavyweights lifted 10, 26 kilos and heavier, 115 to 160. Trade Moreno sold to 115. Mutton numbers eased and the quality mix prices firm to slightly dearer. Medium and heavy sheep range between 18 and 43 dollars a head. And this has been Graham Richard. And let's go to Mossvale Cattle now and David Kent. Good afternoon, Michael. Numbers decreased by over 100 head for a total yarding of 557 mixed quality cattle. There were some good runs of yearlings suitable for feedlot buyers, along with a few runs suitable for the trade. Young cattle returning the paddock were of plainer quality, and there was only 35 cows. Not all the usual buyers attended. Cows and feeder cattle were dearer. All other categories were cheaper. A single prime vela reached 3.55 to average 2.70. Trade yielding steers back 10, 1.32 to 3.30. Yielding heifers to process considerably cheaper. Quality related, 1.10 to 300. Feeder steers lifted 8, 1.34 to 2.38. Heifers to feed, 5 better to average 1.74. Wens returning the paddock up to 35 cents cheaper. Steers 40 cents to 2.46. The heifer portion 50 to 175. Heavy grain steers 130 to 185. Grain heifers average 148. Lighter two and three score cows 80 to 125. Heavy prime cows nine dearer 128 to 165 cents per kilo. This is David Kent at Mossvale for MLA. And that's the market information for today. And uh, just a reminder, stay listening to ABC Local Radio in regards to the fire situation. That Willy Willy fire, uh, that Maparabar uh, there, that uh, bushfire, it's still at the advice level, so it's being controlled, but it has burned out 22,399 hectares. The Rural Fire Service says uh, it could be days before several blazes burning in the region are contained. Uh, Worsening conditions are expected this weekend. Of course, we had those two fires that flared to emergency level over the past two days and more than 60 fires are still burning around the state uh, one of the largest we've been focusing on is focusing on has been the willy willy road fire west of uh, kempsey in the state's mid north coast region and of course a man died there on monday uh, timagog man now that uh, fire is still burning at hat in the state's north coast the hathead community isolated but not under threat we uh, spoke to the dairy farmer brett mcginn who's got a farm there and uh, also uh, David Duff as well about uh, some devastating damage to uh, his farm pasture and uh, various other issues as well. So, uh, as I said, stay listening to ABC Local Radio for the latest information on the fires uh, this afternoon and uh, check out the Rural Fire Service website as well. But uh, hopefully conditions uh, moderating today. But as I said, the Rural Fire Service worried about what's going to happen in regards to those worsening conditions that we heard about from the Weather Bureau earlier on. Worsening this weekend. It's heading up to news time.